it's time to start rallying around America's young conservatives and explore what it means to be a young Republican in the 21st century, in a world where it seems like everyone under 30 must be a liberal. These are the stories you haven't heard before from the voices of America's young conservatives. So let's find out what it truly means to be raised right. Okay, so we are here with James Dunn, who runs the Dunn Right podcast and who also is a really good friend of mine who works at Turning Point USA, invited me in for an interview on his show, which I really loved. It was one of my favorites from all of the things that I got to do during my lawsuit. So I knew I had to reciprocate that and have him here on the Raised Right show um, when I got this thing off the ground. So James, welcome. I'm excited to talk with you again. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad. I'm so glad that you're out here doing, you know, journalistic stuff um, outside of ASU now. So I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, it's been good. I always say it's a, what happened was a blessing in disguise because it gave me the opportunity to really reach out into the journalism that I wanted to do and not have to play so nice and mainstream and you know get to do what I went to journalism school to do. So it's, it's nice being your own boss too, right? Getting yeah. to cover the stories that you want to cover exactly. and not have to worry about it. Yeah good time for sure. So why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about you and who you are and how you got involved in Turning Point and what being a young conservative is like? Yeah, so uh, my journey is a little crazy. I uh, started out when I was a nerd. So I started out in politics when I was like 13 years old, Uh, volunteered on the McCain campaign um, back in the day. So to date me a little bit, um, worked on that and uh, ended up getting an internship with a congressman um, when I was like 15, 16, um, and just was really involved with politics when I was younger. I uh, got to about 18 years old, and nobody hires an 18-year-old staffer. <laughs> so uh, looked to find uh, a way to serve uh, in a different way, and I ended up joining the military right out of high school when I was 17. Uh, was in the Air Force as a firefighter for about seven years and uh, deployed a couple times. It was pretty fun. Uh, got out of the military, ended up working for Arizona Republican Party, um, ended up being an EMT, ended up working doing this long journey that got me into Turning Point USA. And uh, I'm happy to be there now. And now we're running the Done Right podcast and kind of doing something a little bit similar than you. Uh, we're a little bit more raunchy, but uh, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're out here just showing conservatives and showing more normal people again as well. So, right. Uh, Speaking truth. Absolutely. That's great. So 13, that's really young to start getting involved in politics. Was What was the spark for it for you to want to get involved so young? Um, so what was crazy was when we were, when I was younger, um, during Bush's second term, um, when he was running against John Kerry, uh, we had, I had a reading teacher that was giving us extra credit, uh, for volunteering on a political campaign. She didn't really care who it was for. And this is long before, um, things were as bad. They used to be pretty liberal when I was younger, but it, it was, it wasn't nearly as bad as it was. Uh, so I ended up uh, volunteering on the Bush campaign, and uh, we found through that we found a guy who was uh, running for city council. He was a cop, uh, nice guy. His name was Tom Wagner. Uh, was running against a guy who'd been the city councilman for like thirty years. Uh, no one had ever ran against him or anything like that. Uh, pretty corrupt guy, I think. And I'm from Las Vegas, so um, toward the when I was a teenager, we were still we still had corrupt politics and people bribes and, and things like that, all that Chicago style politics that you were talking about or you've heard about probably. Right. Um, yeah. And so uh, I ended up volunteering on his campaign, just got to really know him. Um, we lost the election by seven votes. Oh. Um, yeah. And so it crushed me a little bit. 
Um, but just to see like the impact that we made on our community that, you know, just our small little city council ward, we ended up getting like, I think it was like 600 people registered to vote. Um, we increased the voter turnout by like 200% in our, in our city. Um, and we got to, you know, at least bring light to some issues that I think that were being not addressed very well in our city and to be, you know, 13 years old and be able to see an impact that you're having on your community is, it's really awesome. And it's like, well, you know, if this amount of work on the weekends is, is going to do it, what happens if I just keep doing it now that I know what I'm doing? So I kind of got addicted. I got picked up by the assembly campaign and then I got picked up by a congressional campaign. I ended up working on the McCain campaign and just, just moved on and on from there. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a crazy journey, but that's, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of a nerd. Some people have video games. Some people have, uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons for me, it was uh, politics. So that's awesome. Nothing wrong with that. We need more young people that like politics. Cause I think a lot of people shy away from it. are like, I don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. And we're really excited to be able to do that type of work. So I like this story about how you got involved with Turning Point. You know, I think it's really cool how they kind of picked you up and, and brought you in. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do for them? Oh, yeah. So uh, I work in their distribution department. So a lot of what I do is um, we have activism kits that go out to hundreds and now thousands of chapters across the United States where we're empowering young uh, women and, and adults uh, to um basically get out into their community, get out into their school and teach other people about conservative values, have those difficult conversations through t uh, tabling and, you know, bring back normal conversation about politics and, and talk about differencing in, of, of opinions. Um, and so we help facilitate that with uh, creating things for events or um, creating activism kits or banners or posters or everything that you see that has a, the Turning Point logo on it. Basically, that's a physical in your hand is, is something that we create there. And it's awesome because we create almost everything in-house, um, everything you see from the Turning Point store, everything. So um, it's cool because and one of my cheesy things that i always like to tell people is you never know you know i helped make a flyer or a poster that gets in the hands of somebody who ends up becoming a supreme court justice or the president or a congressman or whatever you never know what might happen it might be that one thing that starts that conversation with somebody um and didn't to get, I've gotten a couple of messages from people that are just like, yeah, you know, it was, I saw a button on a, on a, on a table at a campus and it sparked a conversation and it's changed my life ever since. And so to have an impact like that is, is really awesome. That's awesome. That's really cool. Why do you think it's so important to kind of have those conversations and to spark them and to get out there on college campuses and really promote this idea of young conservatism? So for me, uh, I ended up going to college later in my life. I joined the military and then ended up uh, being a 26-year-old freshman. <laughs> so um, for me, it was like I had already been exposed to the real world. I had been exposed to uh, liberal people, especially the liberal nastiness working in politics as a younger person. So I knew some of the phrases and key, key ideologies to look for. Um, and I think right now in our system of higher education, there's an echo chamber. Um, and a culture that is benefiting from um, these liberal policies that a lot of these people don't leave the educational system, the academia, um, and you're only getting one side of the argument um, majority of the time. Uh, for I, an example, I always like to make is like Egyptian studies. Um, if you're an Egyptian studies student, there's not really a market for that outside of academia. So you ended up becoming a professor to teach other students about 
Egyptian studies uh, to pay off your student loans. And it is literally a pyramid scheme um, of people just, you know, bouncing ideas off of each other that haven't seen anything in the real world. And now you're starting to see it with Joe Biden nowadays, where these people are now finally getting to put into implementation with no fight back of what's going on. And our country is a result of that right now. Our border crisis is terrible. Gas prices are going through the roof. And uh, everybody who thought these liberal policies are going to work are, are quickly regretting it. So I think it's just really important for us to have those conversations um, so that people understand like the cause and effect of, the, of these liberal policies and that we're just only starting to see the tip of the iceberg of this stuff. And uh, if we don't fight back, we're not going to have a lot of country left. Right. Yeah, it's, it's scary, definitely. And I like that you bring that up because there's, you know, this idea that really keeps me in check as someone who actually likes school, but is a young conservative and kind of has to balance that. It's this idea of the ivory tower and the people that just stay, like you mentioned, in the education system their whole life and they never get out and talk with people that have been, you know, in the quote unquote real world and never step out of that ivory tower to understand what's happening in the world around them. So for young people in college, as someone who's been through that, both the education system and the the real world, what would be your words of advice for them to make sure that they, you know, get their education, but still stay in touch with reality? Um, so for me, it's, it's just go in and do your own research. Don't take anything at face value. Uh, for, I had a professor at University of Arizona who was extremely against first responders and um, whether it was a police officer, firefighter, EMTs, um, just really wrong. And if I hadn't had that prior life experience, I probably wouldn't have known anything about it and how wrong she was about the situation. And I think that sometimes you just have to go out and do your own research. I mean, it's the same thing with anything in life from, you know, education to where you work to where you go to church. Don't take everything that everybody tells you at face value. I have a pastor, Pastor Mark Driscoll, who says that if you agree with me in 100% of the time, you're worshiping me and you're not worshiping Christ, right? So like, there's a lot of things that, you know, you should be able to agree with everybody on, on a majority of issues, but, um, you know, go out there and do your research and, and be grounded in it and know why um, not only know the information, but why it is that way, because I think too, too many people get caught up in the parroting of, of information and not realize why it is that way. Like, for example, we're seeing a lot of that with uh, Black Lives Matter right now, where they'll parrot these these. Uh, oh, well, uh, most mass shootings have been caused by white guys with AR-15s. And then you're like, well, yeah, if you take this very narrow, specific thing, yes, uh, 201 deaths have been caused by white guys with AR-15s, but black-on-black uh, -black crime, gangs, like gang shootings, equate for 97% of mass shootings. And so it's like things like that where you're like, okay, well, we need to like dig into it, question things, get to the bottom of it, um, because we can't just take everything at face value, especially now the media doesn't care about that. Right. Right. So if we can't depend on media and we can't depend on education to teach us these things, you know, we need to branch out and find it for ourselves. What are some resources that you found helpful or know of now that you would recommend for people to get that information? Honestly, it's it's hard. And I, I think that's a, a, a big reason why I started my podcast. I think it's a big reason why you started yours is um when I was looking for independent, you know, unbiased media, I, I can't find it. And, um, it's, you got to go out there and you're going to have to read primary sources and it's not fun. Um, it's not, it's not great, but it's, it's the only way that you're going to get the true information without the spin. 
in this 24 hour news cycle, there's an incentive for things to be sensationalized and drive clicks and drive outrage and drive viewership over to um, the media. And I think a lot of people aren't realizing that there is a lot more to the story that they can fit within an hour or 30 minutes, especially within an hour segment, you're only probably going to be able to cover something for 10 to 15 minutes at most uh, with commercial breaks. So there's a lot more to that than that 10, 10 to 15 minute narrative. And you have to go out there and look for the information yourself. The George Floyd case is a, a prime example of that. If you're not going through and looking through these primary source documents, you're not getting any of the story right now from any of the networks to include Fox News. So um, a lot of these journal, a journalist is, is really good at writing. A journalist is good at investigating, but sometimes they're not good at uh, reading a, a, an autopsy or they're not good at um, reading financial documents. And so sometimes you have to go in there and figure it out yourself. So just go seek the primary sources. And I like to, my thing is I like to read both sides. So if you go on my Twitter account, most of the accounts that I follow are liberal leaning. Um, and I find out what the argument is and then I go see if I can disprove it. So that's another strategy I use. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's important to really understand why you believe and stand behind the ideas that you do. Honestly, it's 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 a risk it's risk, it's a risk reward thing. Um, I had a professor uh, who was ex extremely liberal, um, Professor Wilkinson, at University of Arizona, and I don't say his name because I want you to go after him. He's actually one of the best professors that I've ever had um, in my life. I did not agree with him on any of the topics, but he was very, um, some of the professors, you get, you just got to feel it out. Um, mm -hmm. When it became to left-leaning issues, he would say his piece, and then he would immediately call on James Dunn um, to give the, the conservative perspective on it. So uh, I, th I say do it respectfully. If you're going to call out a professor, do it respectfully. I think that's the biggest problem that we're having in our narrative right now is that too many people are trying to score political points and, and, and virtue signal and try and say, oh, you're a bad person. Um, I don't think everybody that's a liberal is a, a bad person. They, we just don't disagree. We disagree on certain issues and you can't come uh, to the table, not in good faith. Um, if you do that as a journalist, like uh, 60 Minutes just did, and they, they just got caught doing that. Um, it becomes very apparent to everybody. So, um, and you'll lose a lot of people that way too. And we're seeing that a lot with the left of this virtue signaling of, okay, if you don't agree with us and that makes you a bad person and how many people they're losing from listening to their message because of that, because they can't agree with them 100% of the time. So I think the best thing that we do as conservatives is go, hey, listen, we might not agree on everything, but if we agree on most things, you can be over on our side, you know, like, hey, you know, I, I might not agree on transgender issues or whatever, but if you agree with small taxes, small government, um, you know, making sure that we're not in foreign wars, making sure that, you know, we protect our Second Amendment rights, we can both be conservatives at the end of the day and vote for the same guy. So um, I think a lot of that, too, is just knowing knowing when to pick your battles. Um, and it's going to be like that in real life. I think some people just think, oh, well, it's just like that for professors. You're going to have bosses that are liberal, too. I had a boss that when I was a bartender was extremely liberal and she knew I was conservative and she knew my second job was working for the Arizona Republican Party and she wasn't very fond of it. So I knew that in that workplace, you know, that's not something that I should bring up. Um, 
at that school where you're paying and you're choosing to go to that school and you're choosing to take that class. So you also have to respect that person because you are paying and you are um, asking for the advice of this professor. So if you're overly concerned about what you're what you're getting at your school, don't go to that school. Uh, I think another thing another thing that people don't bring up that often is uh, as somebody who's employed person people myself, I employed 192 people at Engage Texas. Um, I've never looked once at the the top part of uh, of your degree on a resume. I don't care if you went to University of Alabama or Harvard University or University of Phoenix. As long as you have a degree, um, majority of employers, especially in this market, are going to be looking at it that way. So uh, I think that's another thing too: is pick your school wisely. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely something we have to consider nowadays as, as young conservatives in this type of type of field. No, absolutely. Well, to, to kind of uh, piggyback on that, it's like, well, there's no incentive for these liberal institutions to change if you're a conservative and you continue to give money to them. Right. So like if you continue to patriate these businesses and that's a big thing that Charlie Kirk um, is somebody I respect often um, is that they're working on, you know, defunding all these universities and, and stop these big do conservative donors from giving back to their alma maters who are treating conservatives like um, dirt on their on their campuses. If you're an older conservative and you still donate to campuses that are, are treating conservatives like that, stop. Um, if you stop sending your school, your kid does not have to go to the same school as you. And we're, we're writing too much on tradition lately. And these colleges know that. And that's another reason why they, th they feel like you can get away with it. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's a really big point that we wanted to bring up with my case is that, hey, this is what's going on behind closed doors of one of the biggest institutions in America. And this is how conservative students are being treated. And it's not easy, but you really have to stand up and and kind of rally the troops, so to speak, of, of raising awareness to these issues. And also, like you mentioned before, really educate yourself on, on what's going on, because a lot of this information is is public record. It's easy to pull it up and look it up and you don't have to depend so much on the media or someone else to tell you how to think. And I love what Charlie said, you know, you don't necessarily need to have a degree, but you need to go, if you're going to get a degree to develop a skill, you have to have a skill set that makes you unique and applicable to what you want to do. And so I think, like you said, there's a lot of pressure for people that feel like they they have to go to college and they have to go where their parents went or where their lineage is from. And it's not the case anymore. It's a new world. Yeah. Well, uh, to piggyback on Charlie's point, there's been so many people that I know that have been extremely successful without a degree. Elon Musk mm -hmm. says that I never went to Harvard, but the people who work for me did. So um, there's a lot of people that can be out there and be entrepreneurs and do things. I think people put too much on the price of college uh, for some I've been extremely successful and not that to be egotistical for somebody who has never gotten a degree in political science um to have gone so far and sometimes uh i tell people why not take it, it would be easier to take a forty thousand dollar loan take two years off and go work for somebody for free and get some true knowledge mm -hmm. and working of how how things are and a pathway into an actual job um with actual experience that's going to make you more marketable than sometimes uh taking four years and spending $140,000 in debt uh, for a degree that's not going to get you where you want to be. So often, people, I meet people my age, I'm 28 years old, almost 29 years old, uh, that have degrees that in jobs that that have nothing to do with their degree. So, right. yeah. 
yeah, we see that a lot. I mean, people go for one thing and then end up doing something way different than, than what was intended. So make sure you're passionate about it, whatever it is. So what's next for you? What's on the, you know, the, the bucket list for James Dunn? Um, you know, honestly, right now, I, I, my big thing right now is I've been trying to ramp up our, our podcast a lot more. Um, it's something that's been a passion of mine. And I know it's a passion of yours is, is journalism and making sure that we're having honest journalism. I feel like there's not a lot of that going on at all. Um, even from the conservative media, I feel like everybody's taking time off and things are going very terribly in our country and no one's covering it. And no one seems to want to cover it. Um, because no one wants to rock the boat and everybody wants to get back to business as usual as it was. And um, for some of your listeners who might be a little younger and might not remember the Bush administration, but the whole reason why Trump's presidency was so transformational was because a lot more people paid attention to politics. A lot more people knew what was going on. A lot more people, um, like, for lack of a better word, get, like, care about what's going on. And so I think with what we need to do now is I'm out there, you know, trying to find stories out there, trying to find what's going on, because if I, it's hard for me to believe that there's no news going on when there's a border crisis or there's no news going on with in the middle of a, a, a pandemic of, of whatever is going on, or there's no news that's going on um, when you're having state legislatures pass like momentous uh, legislation, like Arizona just recently passed uh, a bill that will ban federal uh, gun legislation, and that's not getting any coverage in the media, or Arkansas is barely getting a, any coverage in the media about their transgender um, children bill. Um, so there's a lot of things that are out there. Um, I Like your story, for example, of what was happening at ASU, I, w- I wouldn't have seen that if we didn't have our eyes and ears on the ground, and you were, what, 10 minutes away from, from my home. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a lot of that going on, and People aren't seeking it out. So a lot of what we're trying to do right now is go out there and be a media source that's, although I am conservative and I'm going to, I'm blatantly, I'm not hiding it. Um, I'm trying to get you the news of what's going on. So yeah, that's, that's what's on my bucket list right now. That's great. I love it. There are so many stories out there that the, the mainstream media just doesn't, doesn't pick up and doesn't talk about. And that's, you know, one of the quotes that I love is that every walking person is a story. Everyone has a story and everyone, you know, wants to share their beliefs. And I think especially the demographic of young conservatives have missed that opportunity more than anybody else. So that's why I love to do my podcast and just talk to people, you know, and get their their thoughts and their stories and, and their background and share their passions. And I know you started a new page that's promoting businesses across Arizona that aren't enforcing their mask mandate. I love that. I think that's a great way to, you know, kind of rally some conservative support. So how's that been going? Uh, crazily good. Um, so uh, I, it started on a whim. Um, and for me, it's just something I've been really, obviously I'm wearing the small business hat, but um, I am very passionate about trying to help small businesses, small conservative businesses in general, um, you know, out because I feel like the left gets to promote Nike and Amazon and all these major corporations while mom and pop shops are closing across the country and that, you know, no one's out there looking out for them. And you know, we don't know if another stimulus check is going to come out. We don't know if another PPE is going. And meanwhile, every single day, small businesses are closing while Amazon is adding, you know, billions of net worth to them 
So um, a lot of what we've been doing is at AZ, uh, Patriot Biz. I saw on Instagram, we've just been highlighting conservative businesses, massless businesses, and letting people know, hey, this is where we're going to shop. And the next step of that is we're going to try and do meetups there. So we're going to have, you know, people in the general area. We're going to bring voter registration forms. We're going to, you know, bring candidates to these meetups. We're going to bring um, grassroots efforts back to Arizona. I think the biggest thing that we've been lacking lately is that Donald Trump's not here and we don't get our tweets and right. people scattered after the Capitol riots and everyone's been super scared uh, to meet together and not because they're, they're afraid of being labeled a domestic terrorist. So uh, I, I think yeah. um, the biggest issue is we got to bring back our grassroots efforts and we can't sit back and let Joe Biden screw everything up and they just think that we're just going to win in 2022. So uh, that's that's the other part of it, too, is not only promoting, but uh, building grassroots as well. So that's great. I love that. I feel like Arizona split. There's like the people that are just ready for life to be back to normal and just get rid of the mask and forget it. And then there's a group that's like, don't change anything. Leave the masks on, like keep everything the same. And it's it's a weird divide. I so what's weird for me with Arizona is even the Democrats are very anti-government. So like yeah. Arizona in general just has this this very anti-government vibe. Um, even Kristen Kristen Cinema, who's a a far left Democrat, um, mm -hmm. ran on a on a campaign of you know we're, we need sometimes we need government help, but we're very skeptical of what the government does, and so. Um, I think it's the attitude of most Arizonans that are here. Um, we're not really seeing that from the Californians that are moving here, but a majority of Arizonans who's been here for a long time, that's that's their motto. And I, I think you start to know uh, who the mass people are when you ask them where they're from. So they're like, hey, where are you from? Oh, you know, you're from California that, and you're wearing a mask. That makes <laughs> sense, right? <laughs> like, um, but if born and raised in Phoenix or born and raised in Tucson, um, yeah, so especially, you know, go Wildcats. So, you know, I had to put that on your podcast. <laughs> no, do it. I, you know, my feelings with ASU right now. So say all you want. <laughs> no, they so, haven't necessarily been on my good, my good list either. So. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. I never, ever expected that my college career would, would end up going that way. But at the same time, I'm so grateful to God that it did, because like I said, it, it put me in the direction that I always wanted to go. So blessing in disguise. Well, what I don't understand about Arizona State University is it's in the heart of the fifth most populous uh, county in the country that's relatively has been conservative for years. Um, mm -hmm. And they have a, a history of honoring veterans. Their, their, their biggest program on their campus is the Pat Tillman Foundation um, and doing a lot of stuff with Pat Tillman. And so how that university is so liberal makes zero sense to me especially considering what the surrounding community is and the people who send their their kids to asu are, are generally rich kids from california with parents that are conservative so i don't know what's been going on with asu uh, it was a it was the first school i got a, I, I applied to and got into and i was like oof, dodge that bullet so yeah seriously that's funny so you've obviously been you know very successful in the political realm for all the things that you've done so what would be your advice to younger conservatives out there who want to get involved but aren't really sure on the steps to take uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna borrow i know i've, I've quoted him a lot but i'm gonna borrow his <laughs> advice uh charlie um because this is my success story um so go find somebody um that you really like and go ask to work for free um a lot of people have 
are in this world of instant gratification that everything needs to come today and everything needs to happen right now. Uh, and that's not always going to happen. And politics is a crazy game. What you learn, if you're going to school for politics, you're going to throw out literally everything that you're going to learn from college um, because none of it's going to apply. You're talking to real world people. Everything, everything changes on a dime every day. Um, from voter registration to the law, to demographics, to how districts are, are split and how the demographics of that district. Um, so the best thing you can do is just go find somebody, ask them, Hey, can I help you and work for free? And you're going to get coffee and you're going to take out trashes and you're going to sweep and you're going to mop and you're going to do some not fun stuff. But, um, the best advice I can do is humble yourself and take a step backward, uh, to take a step forward. And, um, you know, for, for me at engaged, I, I was at engaged Texas. I was a regional manager. I was in charge of 192 employees, but then I took a step back and went to turning point at a lower position because obviously the people that are doing things at turning point at a national level are doing such phenomenal things that, you know, sometimes you got to take it back, step forward in a bigger organization to understand that sometimes there's a better way of doing things or there's a better way of, of whatever. So don't be afraid to uh, take a step back, go work, go find go find somebody you want to work for and where you want to be and go ask them and go find a mentor. Uh, you'd be surprised how many old people want to mentor you and <laughs> be out there and want, want the help. Um, just my church, for example, I was like, Hey, I really want to learn production stuff and I want to learn how to do audio video and all that stuff. They're like, please, please come here and help us. So um, you never know, just go out there and, and ask to work for free and, and volunteer and, Oftentimes, it's only going to last six to seven months. Um, so go out there and, and volunteer. Instead of, take, instead of taking an internship at some kooky little thing, go take an internship at some place that's probably not going to be as fun, but it'll be more more rewarding in the long run. Absolutely. I love that. I think it's great advice for sure. So final question, what does being raised right mean to James Dunn? Um, being raised right. So I grew up uh, in a, uh, I guess, a, a culture of immigrants. Um, my family is third generation immigrants um, from Italy. Um, they uh, were entrepreneurs. They came here in the most stereotypical fashion and came to New York and opened up a pizza company. Um, and uh, knowing what America w is, uh, I guess, and what its values are and, and what the opportunities are, for people here in America uh, is is what knowing is right and working hard and having those ethics of honor, integrity, and, um, you know, a good work ethic. Um, and, uh, you know, just, you know, being raised right on, on good American values. I know I, I hate to define the term in it, but um, knowing your American values and sticking to them and knowing what got you to the place you are. Um, I think too many people get lost in the, crazy stuff of you know racial injustice and all this crazy stuff and they don't look at how well things are in america and they they, they get so lost in the negatives and I, I think for me uh if you go out there looking for all the negatives in america you're going to find them and if you go out there looking for all the positives in america you're going to find them as well and uh as somebody who served this country i've been to some of the, the not so great places in the world um where women don't have it as well, or minorities don't have it as well, whereas people who have a different religion don't have it as well, or immigrants don't have it as well. Um, and if you go and to those other countries, you're going to see how great America is and, and what a land of opportunity that we have here. And that 
raising your kids right and being raised right is understanding that and protecting um, what we have here. I love it. Well, thank you, James. I appreciate it so much. It was great to catch up with you again and hope to have you on in the future. Enjoy this episode of Raised Right? Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app to catch the next episode. And be sure to like and follow us on Instagram at Raised Right Podcast and Facebook and Twitter at Raised Right Pod. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.